0: Hello, everybody! Welcome back to the Twenty Five Eight Sports Cast, Episode Forty Three, coming at you right now. I'm your host, Tommy Fink. Alongside me today, as always, is Jet Rosenstein. Jet, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Tommy. I was always pumped to be with you for yeah, another yeah. episode, another another great show in store for everyone. Some sp- special things coming your way, and I'm just happy to be here, happy to be along for the ride. Whether I'm your understudy, the lead man in this this orchestra, always ready for this.
0: Yeah, well. It's never really going to be the second way that you put it. It's pretty much always the understudy as far as your standpoint goes in this orchestra. But Jet, got a lot in store today. We're going to break down the Home Run Derby bracket as the Home Run Derby happens like 22 hours from now. We'll get through that. And then we're going to get to a special surprise guest on the show who I'll introduce to you guys later on in the show. And then we're going to finally... Get to our AFC East record predictions. We can smear the Dolphins finally. Been waiting for this. And I'm super excited to do it, Jet. You ready?
1: Yeah, I mean, our, our guest is obviously ready because he's in the waiting room as we speak. So obviously after we get through these home run derby predictions, I'm sure he's he's excited to be a part of this. only our second guest we've had, so it should be a very entertaining episode, even though for the most part it's going to be too much Phillies talk, but we'll get through it
0: well both i mean interestingly you say that because both of our guests that you've had on the show so far have been very very niche guests (laughs) we've had (laughs) we've had all new york and all philly so there's a little spoiler for what's to come in about 10 minutes jet Tell me how you have the one and eight matchup breaking down and how many home runs does Kyle Schwarber beat Albert Pujols by?
1: Well, I, I think before before I give away why Albert Pujols is going to win this matchup, let's just go with the, who, <laughs> who the seating is. Uh, number one is Kyle Schwarber. Two is Pete Alonso. Three is Corey Seager. Four is Juan Soto. Five is Jose Ramirez. Six is Julio Rodriguez. Seven is Ronald Acuna. And eight is Albert Pujols. Yes, that 1-8 matchup, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols getting the nod one final time as he, you know, continues his final season in the league, got an all-star, one more all-star game appearance as a, you know, an honorary, you know, nod to what his career has been. But Kyle Schwarber's the number one seed for a reason, leads this whole field in terms of total home runs. And this is the kind of, event that he excels at he's already participated in it before and he's had some great success I expect that success to continue once again on Kyle Schwarber coming out of this matchup
0: agreed he has the most home runs and the longest home run of the year as far as these eight contestants go and he got really lucky with the seating just with Albert Pujols deciding to opt into this
1: Absolutely. And then now the, the next matchup is four Juan Soto versus five Jose Ramirez. This I think this is going to be the most interesting matchup of the first round, in my opinion. These are both guys that we, we know have plenty of power, both at the, at the top of their respective positions. While, you know, Juan Soto has always struggled for the most part. He's kind of picked things up, you know, towards the tail end of this first half. But for me, I have Juan Soto coming out of this, and I just think that, it's it's just like hard to think like how how are these guys gonna perform in a home run derby because this is not just a, a typical thing that we see each and every day, but I just have a gut feeling that Wanso is gonna come out on top continuing this little power surge that we've seen from him the past couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip with flip with you there. I'm gonna take Jose Ramirez in this one. I'm honestly off of nothing else but just a, a gut feeling. I think he's gonna I think he's just gonna be able to find more More like down-the-line home runs, super short home runs. And I think Jose Ramirez is going to outlast Juan Soto here. Both have the same amount of homers, so. Okay. Yeah, I agree. It'll be the most interesting matchup of the first round, but that's how the seating is supposed to be anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So next we have the three, Corey Seager, and the six, Julio Rodriguez. For me, this is going to be an upset. My first upset so far, I have Julio Rodriguez coming out of this matchup. Yeah, both guys are pretty good hitters, but Julio Rodriguez, the season that he's been having, especially considering he's a rookie, the spotlight has not been too bright for him. And I think under this stage, he's going to be just fine. He's already been practicing the home run derby in, in practice. And according to in according to a Mariner's source, he hit 37 home runs in a four-minute span, which is, you know, already good as is. But what he'll do under the pressure, I'm sure – he will definitely be just fine. So while Corey Seager is definitely going to be putting up a good fight, I, I like Julio in this matchup.
0: I agree. I don't I don't see Corey Seager as, as really your, your typical prolific power hitter. I'm taking Julio Rodriguez as well here, even though he's not that thing either. But he has the farther home run, the harder home run. Obviously, Jet came with a little bit more stats and analysis for the home run derby than I did. I didn't know we were really analyzing it, but I'm taking Julio out of this 3-6 matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always bring in each and every segment. It doesn't matter the level of importance. I like to make sure we, we get to each and every topic thoroughly so we can appease all aspects of our great follow, which we, you know, we, we support everyone that gives this show a listen each and every time an episode comes out. Final final matchup in this bracket, two Pete Alonzo versus seven Ronald Cunha. Obviously, Pete is coming off of back-to-back home run derby championships, and he's looking to make it three in a row. I mean, obviously, the most experienced among any of the guys in this, and he's had the most success out of any of the guys in this. So, while Ronald Acuna is a, a great player and is gonna, you know, he's gonna have a a great round, I think Pete Alonso should have no problem coming out of this matchup.
0: I wouldn't say no problem because I, I think he definitely got screwed with how the seating worked out. Honestly, I think Acuna. I, I think Acuna could be considered a tougher out than anyone above him besides Alonzo and Schwarber. I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. I'm still going to take Pete just until he gives me a reason not to take Pete um, or until he faces Kyle Schwarber. So I'm taking Pete Alonzo here in the 2-7. Okay,
1: so now for me, I'll have the one Kyle Schwarber going against the four Juan Soto in round number two. For me... I don't think this matchup is going to be relatively close either. I, I think Monso has the potential to kind of break through and, and upset the number one seed Kyle Schwarber, but Kyle Schwarber he's a prolific power hitter and he, he should be able to advance to the final round.
0: So I would have Ramirez and, and Schwarber, right? Yep. Schwarber, next round, next.
1: That's, okay. That's all um, you need to know. Yeah, so uh, the next the next matchup but Tommy and I both have the same pair number two Pete Alonso versus number six Julio Rodriguez. For me, I think this is where Pete Alonso's end his run ends. I think Julio Rodriguez has the ability to upset Pete Alonso here. Like I mentioned before, young ascending player. Yeah, Pete Alonso has all the experience in this game, but you can only be on the highest of highs for so long. Julio Rodriguez finds a way to upset the back-to-back champion.
0: Pete Alonso moves to the finals to face Kyle Schwarber. It's what the people want to see. You're it's that, what... Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless you're a fan of another yeah, team in I the National Kyle League East.
1: Kyle Schwarber honestly has a cakewalk to the finals, which is... He does.
0: He really does. And I, I, I have no problem with that. So, I have Schwarber Alonso. You have Schwarber, Julio Rodriguez. So, it looks like we both have Schwarber winning it.
1: Well... <laughs> You see, I, I, I knew you were going to go Schwarber, and not to say this is the sole reason why I'm picking Julio Rodriguez, but I'm going purely off of instinct because there's only so many stats you can look at as far as, you know, <laughs> who, who to pick on the Homework run derby. Not, not many underlying metrics to base things off here. So I'm just going to go with the gut here. Not something I do often, something I should probably do more often. So I'm taking Julio Rodriguez to upset the number one seed, Kyle Schwarber.
0: Where even is the home run derby this year? Los Angeles, Dodgers. 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 Okay. Yeah, I mean, Schwarber loves hitting in the heat, so he's used <laughs> to that cold weather. Uh, Pete Alonso at this point in the derby, I think fatigue will start to set in for him a little bit. Uh, give me Kyle Schwarber to take down Pete Alonso in your 2022 T-Mobile Home Run Derby presented by ESPN.
1: Thank you for throwing that spot. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually the T-Mobile Home Run Derby. We got to.
0: I said T-Mobile Home Run Derby presented by ESPN. Uh, I, didn't, I
1: didn't hear the beginning part. I was yeah my, on my phone because half of the words you said just don't really want to hear. But uh, understood. Yeah, understood. Um, yeah, so Julio Rodriguez for me, and Kyle Schwerber for uh, Tommy. Almost said someone else on a different podcast. I don't know what I was thinking there. But uh, give me a. Um, I mean, I know this is going to be a rough estimate, but how many home runs do you think Kyle Schwarber will hit in the final round?
0: Well, it's four minutes, right? I, I'm not usually interested in the home run derby.
1: Yeah, I mean, I honestly myself, I don't know what the uh, the, the time. <laughs> I think Julio Rodriguez was just just trying out that four four minute, um, four minute time slot just to get it. Get and you accurate. get like a
0: thirty second break, right?
1: Yeah, you get you get a thirty you get a thirty second break, and basically how it works is the first and second round of the derby will have three minutes on the clock, and then the final round lasts for two minutes. Every competitor is awarded 30 seconds of bonus time following each round, and a hitter can earn an additional 30 seconds if they hit one home run that is at least four hundred and seventy five feet during that regulation period.
0: That's honestly the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why is it start at three minutes, but you get thirty seconds every round for free?
1: You know, uh, that's that's a question we'll have to ask Rob when it comes on the show. I, I, I don't I don't have the answer for that. But you know <laughs> it's,
0: it's just, just so idiotic. Just Whoever's get... like making the graphics go on live television probably hates him. It's just an extra thirty seconds that you'd add for no reason.
1: True. Do you have a number or no?
0: Oh oh yeah. So what, two and a half minutes?
1: Yeah. Plus thirty be, seconds for yeah, what? For a four hundred and seventy five foot home run. Pete Alonso last year hit 23 home runs in the final round.
0: Um, In three minutes?
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Final round, I'm going to go 19. And that'll be enough to win it. Cause... Yeah, I'm
1: going to go 21 for Julio Rodriguez.
0: And how many are you going for Kyle? 14. Four.
1: Yep, I don't What are we playing,
0: football multiples I, of seven I only?
1: Think, I don't think he has the stamina. To, uh, or the endurance to get, through, to get through this contest.
0: You keep saying that you don't want to talk football so early in, in the summer, yet 21-14 is your final score of the Home Run Derby.
1: It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. And let's, I mean, we might as well just stay on brand with, with this baseball talk for the most part uh, coming up shortly. All right, Jet, let's transition here into a little bit
0: more baseball a man who needs no introduction, but I'll give one to him anyway. This is Alex McChrystal, all-thing Philly sports fan, best known as Philly Sports Sufferer on Twitter. Alex McChrystal, how are you doing today?
2: Doing well. Uh, now you finally have a face to the, the guy complaining about Philly sports on Twitter. twenty Exactly. In all caps. All the time.
0: <laughs> exactly. I know a lot of your followers have been, have been wanting a face reveal for some time now.
2: Oh, I hope they haven't.
0: <laughs> well, maybe it was just me. Maybe I was the only one that's that's been needing this face reveal. Yeah, a
2: sentence I've never said is, um, I'm more than the pretty face. So that's yeah. never that's never, never something I've said.
0: Yeah, well, uh, people tell me I have a face fit for radio, but you, my friend, you have a face fit for high-def television. Oh, Yeah. All um, right, so let's break this down. What we're going to do here, I just told you he, he is a all-things Philly sports fan. So I'm going to kind of ask him just some Philly sports questions in general, a few rapid-fire ones towards the end of it. And Jet, as a Philly sports hater, is going to kind of add some two cents in there whenever he feels like it. I'll, I'm I'll, not I gonna... wouldn't
1: say I'm a hater. There, there's other sports cities out there that I hate a lot more. New York, Dallas, I mean, the, the name of <laughs> you. But... All right,
2: but okay, okay. can we can – we, can we if you're going to prey on someone's downfall, would you, would it be Philly sports?
1: No, no, no. It, 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 it would, would be Dallas. New York. It would be New York. I mean, I, I can't say I like Philly fans in general, like especially the one I work with every day, but um, you know, I, I can tolerate them and I hope, I hope I can tolerate you. I know I just met you five minutes ago, but you seem like a good. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of
2: actually a, it's kind of a revelation being told that we're tolerable. I mean, in, it it's a lot worse than
1: usual. Well, I mean it's a smaller it sample size. Like I haven't <laughs> talked to any of the people that jump on traffic lights or any of that stuff,
0: yeah. but um, you know, for for the what do you mean we I talk should... all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that. That's
2: something I'm learning Is now. Timing but... not does Tommy not count
0: anymore? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure what Jet's talking no. about here. Yeah. But I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump in with too many of my takes because I don't want Jet to be completely berated with Philadelphia sports propaganda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe (laughs) after the recording, we can just kind of fuck them up a little bit. So first question I have for you on the heels of a 25 win season, the tie for the second least in hockey last year. The Flyers obviously had to come up with a new coach. They fired theirs in the middle of the season, had an interim head coach for a while. What was your initial reaction to the John Tortorella hire? And realistically, when do you see the Flyers making the playoffs again if you had like a two year window?
2: Well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put a visual to the torts hire is like putting a band-aid over a stitch that uh, over a wound that requires mm. fifty stitches. That's what okay. it is. Like Yeah So torts torts is a hard-nosed coach that he wants you to go out there and give it your all and he has the most aggressive coaching tactics you will ever see in major sports. This guy is like very 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 loud personality and he's not afraid to say anything to anyone or anybody in the media or any of his players that is what kind of coach Torts is now it really doesn't matter what coach you have if your entire roster is just utter crap which is what the flyers have <laughs> so the flyers traded away drew, drew obviously obviously last year he's the greatest player uh, probably top five player in their franchise and the good news is they still have a lot of good players, but the problem is they all underperformed last year and half of them are injured. Ryan Ellis, you got in a trade injured. Coots signed to an eight year extension injured. Joel Farabee, this guy's elite electrical store injured. Cam York injured. Uh, let's see got. Wade Allison injured. Everyone's been injured long-term injuries. Like not, not, not small ones. And, the trades the front offices are making, Chuck Fletcher is making the most dumbfounding trades, trading two first-round picks for an, a, for a, a glorified traffic cone on defense named Rast- Rastalainen, giving up way too much for a guy that was on a one-year deal, and then doubling down and extending him after being terrible. We saw it. <laughs> and then you you bring, you bring trade for a guy like Trudy D'Angelo. Well, I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for, He's definitely not doing any favors for the people that want likable players or players that will help him defensively because if you, they they need guys to help them help Carter Hart. Carter Hart needs a lot of help, and they keep getting offensively-minded defensemen and guys that are more known for being dumb and fighting than they are getting guys that can actually defend and prevent goals. And they signed this guy, Nick, and his last name I can't pronounce for the life of me. They signed him to yeah. a four-year deal – or where, like, a four-year deal. This guy was st- statistically the worst player in the entire NHL, and they give him a four-year deal. I'd give Justin Braun that deal over this guy. This guy's terrible. <laughs> He's terrible. Like, there's no rationale on this planet for why you should give that guy this deal. And they and I, I, I don't mind their draft pick. The draft pick's fine. There's not a lot you could have gone wrong there. They have a lot of good players. There's no cohesion. They have crappy enforcers they have electric young goal scorers they have a guy like cam york bobby brink these guys are amazing young players there's no roster cohesion there's no plan they're going with the aggressive retool which is saying we're gonna get some old grizzled vets that are really just not good anymore and see what happens like that 2020 run run said that we had a run in 2020 we were one win away from the eastern conference finals and they said we're just a few pieces away and i think most fans agreed got a few pieces, and for the last two years we've been running on the notion that we were just a couple pieces away. We're clearly not. The core that was supposed to get us there didn't get us there, and it, it all all the writing on the wall says trade everyone, blow it up, you're going to have to get new, uh, rebuild. Be back in a couple years. That's not what they did. They doubled down on this approach, so they're adding winning players to a roster that lo- loses, and there's just no cohesion there. There's no direction. There's no reason to retool. You're going to lose. Everyone knows you're bad. They didn't even get <laughs> Carter Hart, their, super, their their franchise goalie. They signed him as a franchise goalie. They didn't even get him a backup. They don't have yeah. a backup for him. There's no direction here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just the old saying, the definition of the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again, and that's, that's really kind of how it feels being a Flyers fan myself. Jed, is there
1: anything you'd like to add to what Alex said. No, I'm just gonna second everything he said because <laughs> from from what I from what I hear, it, it sounds pretty good. I don't I don't follow hockey myself <laughs> as a you know, even as as a lifelong Panthers fan. Uh, not much I can add on them either. So, but I was uh, glad to hear opinion from one of one of the five Panthers fans that I know <laughs> on the planet. Um,
0: Glenn, Alex, you're, you're
1: probably you're probably bringing that up about my Marlins too eventually. So I'm just gonna get prepared for that. So, well,
0: Alex, if you had to pick, just just a, a year outright that you think the Flyers may see the playoffs again. Do you think it's early twenty twenties, late twenty twenties, even into the thirties?
2: I mean, I can't, I can't, even, I can't really give you a projection. Who knows? They could be good this year. They won't, right. but they could be. They could surprise right. us all. They about half the teams in hockey get into the playoffs. Like, look at a um, a Nashville Predators or Dallas Stars. They weren't a good team this year. They still made the playoffs. Right. All it takes is like. A couple of overtime wins, or hockey's very much. In, in hockey, a lot of the times the better team doesn't win, and mm-hmm. that's very common. It's very, it, it's not. I'm not saying it gets lucky, but there's times where a goalie can go off or something like that. But if I'm going to say, I'd say yes, they'll make it. They'll, def, they'll definitely make it this decade. I'd, I'd be surprised. <laughs> Almost every team makes it every decade, right, but I'd yeah. say maybe three years. But. Again, when I said there's no direction, so I really can't put any solid projections on the team
0: with right. no direction gonna, or no goal. I'm going to take your word for it, and I'm going to be looking forward to the 2025 NHL season. I'm super excited there. Let's yeah. transition into football, something a little bit more jet and ice speed. What do you think the addition of A.J. Brown really means to this Philadelphia Eagles offense?
2: I think, yet again, it makes them better than the Colts.
0: All right. <laughs> Listen, this is uh, the word yet again. I don't even see is true, first of all, but I- I'm going to l- allow you to continue to speak.
2: Um, so I think AJ Brown gives Jalen, not only Jalen Hurts, but Devante Smith, a lot more offensive firepower to work with. And I mean, Jalen Rager's not going to factor in next year, <laughs> but that was their second best receiver. It was a Ques Watkins or, or Dallas Goddard, but he's a tight end. Dallas yeah. Goddard is a top ten tight end. Devontae Smith has the has the potential to be an a Pro Bowl wide receiver, and AJ Brown is a bona fide stud, um. Pro Bowl wide receiver, and what that really does is, not only is the Eagles' running game going to be really good with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, uh, Gainwell. I forget who yeah, Gainwell, Gainwell is going to be really good. I, you get, you have a lot of depth in the running game, and Jalen Hurts is a, a very, very smart. He's a smart player, for one. It's, 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 there's a couple occasions where he can make a dumb pass, but he's a very yeah. smart player, and he knows when to run, and he works especially well in the RPO. He's incredible in the RPO. When the Eagles adapted the RPO-centric os- offense and started running a lot more, that's when they went on the win streak. I believe Nick Sirianni's offensive idea is incredible. Now, Everyone said Jalen Hurts has to pass well. Jalen Hurts is the key. I like Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurt, I like Hurts a lot. And I I really do think that he can be an above-average quarterback. I don't think he's gonna be Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's gonna be Patrick Mahomes, but I do think he will be enough to lead lead this team to the playoffs and a couple playoff wins. I believe he has that ceiling. He just okay. and there's not it doesn't even take away from Devontae Smith, which is what a lot of people say. It actually just directs a lot of the attention away from him because mm-hmm. when you remove Devontae Smith, like they would stick, like if you're playing a Rams, you play, you'd stick Jalen Ramsey on a Devontae Smith. I mean, Dallas right. Goddard is also your probably your best pass catcher and along with him.
0: And I, and I, I don't think of
2: those two, you don't, you don't They really have anything. But with AJ Brown, that gives a lot of the attention away from him. A lot of it. And you'll right. have so many options. There's no excuse for Jalen Hurts not to be a great passer this year or an above average passer because he'll have the most, some of the best options in the entire league.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I agree. And I don't think Devontae Smith was really ready for that wide receiver one role yet last year. But I think, obviously, as his career progresses, he was drafted as one of the best wide receivers in his draft. Oh, he good kind good of answers. answered my, my next few questions, which was Devontae Smith's role in the offense. Will it be more prominent or less? He kind of answered that. Um, and then the next thing, do you think Shane Steichen will still run a run-first playbook this year? Do you think it's still going to be a run first offense? I do think so. because I mean, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, because you can't say the be-
2: the best part about this Eagles team is their passing. Like, their QB isn't isn't Patrick Holmes. It isn't Tom Brady. It's Jalen Hurts. And let's be honest, he is not an elite arm talent. He's there for his elite running skills. And I still believe this team will be a run first. They will use the pass to unlock the running game. And A.J. Brown really does help them in the fact that that threat of the passing game divides the defense's attention so much more. Like, you knew the Eagles were going to run at the second half of that year. That's why they lost in that playoff game. They couldn't pass the ball. They had to run. Now mm. now there is a significant threat on the pass offense.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I I publicly said I think that the A.J. Brown trade um, respectively won the Eagles and the Colts both of their divisions this year. I think that Titans losing A.J is a is a bigger deal than people are realizing, and the Eagles gaining him is also a bigger deal than realizing. I'd say he's a top fifteen receiver. Um publicly said on the show, which you seem to disagree with. I I think that Jalen Hurts has the potential and the ceiling of being the next Josh Allen. You don't really see that out of him. Uh
2: no, I mean I mean Josh Allen was always a good running talent, but I believe the reason he was drafted Jalen Hurts was a second round pick for a reason, that's because he couldn't Mm -hmm. throw. Um Josh Allen could always throw. It was always the accuracy. J- Josh Allen has a cannon of an arm. Cannon. Jalen Hurts does not have a cannon. But what right. Jalen Hurts needs to be is accurate. It doesn't matter how long he can throw. He needs to be an accurate. Drew Brees was never a good quarterback because he had a cannon. It was because he was the most accurate passer in the history of the NFL. I believe that's what Jalen Hurts needs to be. Because his receivers can do a lot of work. Yards average. Yeah, yards after catch should be a, uh, a strength of this team.
0: All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, first team that I'm a fan of, as well. well I think
1: you're a part-time Eagles fan based off your talk over the past couple of weeks, but I, I'm, I'm just not. I'm, I'm a, I, a,
2: I, I, It's hard to root for a team that's better than you. The, really problem is, like, the problem is, the like,
1: problem is that
0: I'm a full-time Cowboys hater. So, oh, I'm, so there's there's the reason that I, I have some high praise for the Eagles. Jerry Jones, is uh, a loser. Can the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers win? In the James Harden, Glenn Rivers era.
2: I believe they can win in the James Harden era, but not the Glenn Rivers era. I will never okay. call him Doc because the last thing that guy is a doctor. And the last thing that guy is is smart. I Agreed. cannot believe for the life of me. I, I mean, even Daryl Morey at this point, a statistics wizard, thought it was a good idea to sign DeAndre Jordan. The <laughs> second worst idea they I, had was having Doc Rivers play him in a playoff game twice.
0: I don't – I don't I – don't. I get the people that say it was because of foul trouble um, for his name, who slips my mind right now. This, Paul. The, yeah. Uh, Paul Reed. And I, I get it, but like Deandre Jordan, there there's just gotta be better answers out there. Let Paul Reed play, let Charles Bassey play. If course comes to worse really. But uh, Deandre Jordan was his plus minus was literally, it was below the shitter. He, it, it really did ruin that series for the, the trash Miami heat for us.
2: Yeah. I think a uh, sloth on 30 doses of melatonin can move faster than Deandre Jordan. Could. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. He's just so terrible. And it's really not only that his rotations were terrible. I mean, I like, I've ever, if you could see how terrible and how much he was holding his back, watch when James Harden was traded to this team. The fact that he staggered his stars, like people were asking him early in the season, he would not stagger and beat a maxi who you're mm-hmm. obviously your two best players. You play them mm-hmm. only two together, take them off, and that's when they would lose the game because yep. they were off. And then even the 2021 playoffs, which is the most painful thing to watch. I I think I think the Hawk series was way more painful than the Raptors series. But Oh, yeah. I mean, you had Dwight Howard playing more than 10 minutes. More than 10 minutes. Joel Embiid should have played playing more than 40 minutes. At least, like, look at the numbers Giannis was playing in those mm-hmm. playoffs. He's playing 40 – Forty-eight minutes per game, especially in the game seven.
0: Like and, and B
2: played
0: horrible. And B played a ton of minutes in this year's playoffs, which I have to, I have to commend Rivers for it, at least that. Um, moving on to this, against the Raptors. Yeah, uh, moving on to the Sixers bench, they made two really nice additions to that bench in De'Anthony Melton and Jet's very own favorite PJ Tucker. Yeah, he's, gonna he's gonna be balling. He's gonna be balling at the young. Of forty years old, uh, where how much better do you think this really makes our bench, and do you think it's enough to propel us to maybe conference finals or the NBA finals as a whole?
2: Well, I think more than anything else, Danny, uh, PJ Tucker fills a Danny Green role of a three and D player, but I do mm-hmm. think he's an, actually an upgrade over Danny Green, not because he's a better shooter, but I think overall, Danny Green was also looked at as a as a veteran that everyone on the team would call him sixty seven years old. Like everyone loved Danny Green. On the team. on the, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll specify, on the team. But TJ right. Tucker is... Everyone around the re- league respects him as a leader, as as somebody you look forward to. And, I mean, it's cliche, but he has that dog mentality. He will go out there and give you 150% every single time. And he fills that 3 and D role, where I think he's an upgrade over Danny Green, is on defense. I mean, just watch that Bucs net series. Mm-hmm. He, he He's a foot shorter than Kevin Durant, And he put him in a body bag the entire series. (laughs) Like Kevin Durant was in hell when PJ Tucker was stuck on him. Not Giannis. Not anyone. No. PJ Tucker completely shut down Kevin Durant, especially in that game seven. Like that's this guy, that guy single-handedly won in the series. The Bucs never sniffed close to a championship without PJ Tucker. I mean, Uh, obviously Giannis, but like that guy plays such a crucial role. And that's who the Sixers have been lacking. The only way they would win games is off the backs of ridiculous performance of their superstars without mm-hmm. any help from their other roles like
0: see so, well i was i was under the possible impression that we see thibault just continue to start and danny greens role you don't think that
2: no i don't think he will i mean okay. I, I i don't want tise starting as well Tease, at the end of the yeah. day he's a role player he's there to play defense mm-hmm. he cannot shoot for the life of him i mean at no. least he tries i'll give him the fact that he tries and he's very athletic but if he's given too many minutes, he will be exposed on offense. Yeah. And you cannot mm-hmm. start a game, let alone a playoff game, playing five on four on offense. That's how bad yeah. he was. That's he, true. he can't. He can't play offense. He smoked like fifty different open layups. He he is completely snake bitten on offense.
0: It Honestly, it really felt like a lot of the time, if he wasn't if he wasn't given an open dunk, he wasn't putting the ball in the net at all.
2: No, but I still would trust him to take an open dunk over Ben Simmons. But that's not saying much. <laughs>
0: Phillies time. This Uh, is the most relevant team, and, you know, coming off the heels of a three game sweep, scoring, outscoring the Miami Marlins 16 to 1. In Miami. Um, In Miami. Obviously, we faced Cy Young Alcantara, as Jet would say. We faced Max Meyer, who's supposed to be the next Cy Young Alcantara. And Trevor Rogers. Yeah, he did. He did. And Trevor Rogers, who I. for some reason thought it was going to be their best pitcher this year. I was terribly was wrong in that last but year. So. He was, he was, I thought he would continue it. Um, are the Phillies contenders or pre as the standings are right now, we are tied with St. Louis Cardinals for the seventh seed in the playoffs.
2: Well, it depends if you're asking whether or not, well, can I ask, ask for clarification? Are you yeah. saying right now, as they are right now, or fully healthy?
0: Um, just as, as the course of the season goes. So, not if not not assuming everyone comes back right now, but not assuming no one ever comes back. So like, as Segura comes back when he's supposed to, as Harper comes back when he's supposed to, um, do you think we can sustain their absences for as long as they're supposed to be missing time?
2: I do think I. I mean, we have already like we seen like right. after Harper got injured, we were we were good like we were in a wild card spot. We're not in a wild card spot yet, but we were contending for a wild card, and then Harper got hurt. And everyone's like, oh, wait, season's over. Never mind. We'll see you last, next year. And yeah. I thought the same thing, too. Mm-hmm. Of course I did. But anyway, <laughs> um, the way – honestly, what gives me the most hope and things makes me think that we could be a contender, I, I'm not completely sold yet because I need to see this team at full health. But even the things they did without, like, Harper, they did go on that eight-game winning streak with Harper. But, like, this pitching has been real. Really? Aaron Nola – Zach Wheeler are bona fide studs. They are one A, one B on the sp- pitching staff. They are top ten in the league in WAR, top ten in the league in fifth. Like they are bona fide studs. I
0: like, agree, and if, and if
2: you put them in, on a playoff series, three game wildcard series, you will have a chance every single game if you have Aaron Nolan, and Zach Wheeler on the bump.
0: I agree, one hundred percent. And it's it's sad to know that you know someone who hasn't spoken much lately but is on this podcast as well he would he thinks that corbin burns and brandon woodruff is a better duo than wheeler and nola is i would like is, to
2: smoke the crackies on
0: yeah that's exactly that was honestly my response exactly we just saved that for off camera this episode will now have to be rated explicit I uh, feel, uh
2: Ratio the Milwaukee Brewers and a Cy Young debate between Wheels and Burns. So, I, mean, I, that's, that's I po- possibly a top five achievement in my life. So
0: that's that, I I would agree with you if I did the same. I would, I would consider that a top five achievement <laughs> in my life. Um, something that I have talked about a whole lot on this show recently. TF, and if you haven't been listening, you think I just sound like a fucking idiot. The RTF stands for the Rob Thompson Factor. And the Rob Thompson factor just continues to prove me more and more correct. The Rob Thompson factor has the Philadelphia Phillies at 27 and 14 on the year. And if we were going to do win percentages based on those 41 games, the Philadelphia Phillies are at a 659 winning percentage this season, which would mark second in all of the National League, and it would mark second in all of the American League. And and is Rob Thompson here to stay? And I know Jed is so sick and tired of hearing this name, but I love it so much.
2: Get, get used to it. Rob Thompson effect, it's real.
0: It's um, very real.
2: I mean, obviously, I think I'd, I'd be hard-pressed. I mean, I don't think anybody would want to see Ron Thompson leave in the all season. I think he should be here to stay. But yeah. a lot of that hinges on a playoff appearance. If Rob Thompson gets us to the playoffs, there's no reality in which he leaves mm-hmm. unless he gets offered some bag somewhere. But I don't think he was. And the thing I think I like with Rob Thompson, I don't know if you've heard this before. Apparently Nick Cascianos only had two conversations with Joe Girardi his entire, entire ten- tenure. He saw him for over three months. Talked to him twice. Joe Girardi, I'm sure he's a great guy. He's a loser. I'm sorry. He I, he, he didn't win us games. He lost us games. As a yeah, manager, absolutely. you should not factor into wins like Joe Girardi factored into Philly's losses.
0: He, I agree. 100%. Joe Girardi... I mean, Jet and I would have some late night phone calls. I uh, just rant to him about stupid boneheaded Girardi decisions, like how Jose Alvarado and Corey Canava would be continuously ran out there as the eighth and ninth inning guys, even though it worked maybe once the whole entire year that way. he's Familiar, uh, yeah, Familiar. He, he he loved him as well. It was his favorite go to in a tough spot, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, but now all of a sudden we got. It looks like our bullpen is like a a top 10 bullpen in the league. Oh my gosh.
2: So <laughs> I, I I am so stoked for what I'm seeing in the bullpen. I mean, I can I I can't remember the last time I said, "Oh, Joe, oh, we're going to the pen." That's fine. Usually I would just be like crumbling like uh, come on. Like the, the guys we have after Jose Alvarado came up from AAA, he he's had he's accrued over one war, which probably does not mean a lot to people, but over that span He's allowed barely any runs. This guy throws 101 with consistency, with movement. The movement on his cutter is ridiculous. That is unhittable stuff. Everyone, all he needs to do is throw strikes. He's yep. throwing strikes. But not even that. He's throwing his breaking pitches for his strikes. He has control. And I, I, he's utterly electric. He, he is a shutdown guy right now. Yeah. Like, utterly unhittable. The cutter is just such a revelation. Throwing a 101 it's- cutter is unfair like that's unfair it, that's corbin burns cutter on crack like that's what it is yep mm-hmm. and then and all, it, it's still ahead. an issue throwing strikes that's still the issue mm-hmm. but he's gotten down on that like it doesn't seem real
0: yeah i and then, this is the first time since really like the the team that was making world series runs that it, like they've had a serviceable bullpen and obviously it's only been a stretch of maybe like 40 35 games that this bullpen has been usable and, and and pitched well, but it, it really does feel like a massive difference because the Tommy Hunter days. Uh, I mean, yeah, we had, a, we had a lot of really bad bullpen years and this, this is incredibly refreshing. Let's move on now to some rapid fire questions. Um, these are fun. These are heavy, heavy hitting questions. And I want you to kind of just one to two sentences, try to move through this rapid fire in like five minutes. All right.
2: All right, can I go on a, a little bit of a Phillies discussion afterwards?
0: Yeah, that's fine. All right. um, so rapid fire, NL East, end of year standings, rank them one to five.
2: Uh, Braves, Mets, Phillies, uh, Marlins, Nationals. I think the Braves okay. are going to end up with a much better record than the Mets.
0: I agree. NFC East, end of year standings, one to four.
2: Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Giants.
0: Okay, I agree with you there. Uh,
2: you, can you can swap four and three there; they both suck, so who cares?
0: Yeah. What seed are these Sixers next year?
2: Three, I believe. Boston and I'm not going to say Miami because that would make Jet happy. Um, <laughs> the Bucks, but I say I think it goes Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Heat. Um,
0: and that's what I would honestly rank the hierarchy of of power rankings teams in the East this year as well. Last yeah, this last season
2: four through eight. Like you could go Hawks. I'm trying to think. Knicks are gonna suck always. Um, <laughs> I got, there's a lot of good teams. Raptors, I believe, probably gonna be in that six, seven, eight air, um, range. I think the yeah, the, I think do, I do think the Hawks are gonna be pretty good next year. Um, it relies on Dejounte Murray and carrying in defense, but I think they're gonna be pretty good.
0: Cavaliers um, are getting a little bit more experience.
2: Right, they need some shorter guys, but I think they're mm-hmm. good. Um, I like I like their ceiling a lot. I think Evan Mobley needs to learn how to dribble a basketball, but that, other than that, I think it's great. Um, I think there's one other team that's good. I believe. Um, a team with a high ceiling, I'd say Bulls. I mean, uh, yeah, the Bulls probably make the playoffs again too. I think they're probably in the play-in.
0: Okay, Flyers. Let's
2: see the Flyers this year. They're gonna stock Uh, like fifth, like twenty wins. Minimum.
0: <laughs> okay. No, not minimum, maximum maximum. Um if you had to rank the pressure one to ten, how high is the pressure on Jalen Hurts this season?
2: Say like eight and a half. I mean you, you see you see you see the uh, movement from the front office. They traded for more first round picks next year. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's sending them a ma- they, they in they a quarterback heavy confidence. class. Yes, they have full confidence in, in Jalen Hurts. They've reiterated reiterated that multiple times but they're mm-hmm. not going to pay him if he sucks this year. He's not yep. going to be our quarterback if he doesn't lead us to – if he's not good. He's not He's not going to be on this team next year if he's not good this year. And the Eagles have made that very well aware with their movements already.
0: Over, under, 33 and a half total wins in the NFC East this season. Under. Under. Every year
2: they're like, oh, the NFC East is going to be good. No, they're, they're going to suck. I'm sorry. They suck.
0: Um... Man, honestly, I haven't I haven't done the math. I, I came out with my NFC record predictions so let me add them up really quick. Who's the commander's quarterback? Is Carson Wentz.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. If there's an um, under under that under, I'd take it.
0: I have them I have them winning thirty-three games exactly this season, and I I didn't even know that when I asked that when I made that question I, up. I'd say the Eagles can get eleven, especially with their
2: schedule. The Dallas Cowboys eight or nine, but I don't think they're going to be as good as they are last year because they lost all their players because they don't know how to manage, manage a roster or a payroll because Jerry Jones is a hack. Um The Commanders are going to be bad. I hate Dan Snyder with a passion. The Giants, I liked what they did in the draft this year. Daniel Jones is still their quarterback, so they're still going to suck.
0: Mm-hmm. Alright, that's it for Rapid Fire. Go ahead and, and hit us quickly with your Phillies rant.
2: All right, Andrew Bellotti's slider. I'm in love with it. His K rate is ridiculous. This guy strikes out batters with with ease. The Phillies have needed a strikeout guy for ages. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's awesome. Corey Knebel, that pitch to Nolan Arenado, that curveball, that big ball's curveball that yeah. he threw in the ninth <laughs> inning, utter chills. Man, look at the movement on that. If he's if he's able, he's been better as of late. If he's able to throw it for strikes, watch out, man. I still don't think he should be our closer um yeah because he Dominguez.
0: he just gets himself into trouble he comes he becomes a one-pitch pitcher at times of i'm speaking of
2: brad hand i mean are we yeah. are we sure josh Hader is the best left-handed reliever in the league? i mean we have <laughs> brad hand right here like are we kidding what are we doing let's grow up great take josh Hader, yeah josh Hader. like oh. <laughs> Let's be serious. Brad Hand's right there. Three-time All-Star Brad Hand, might I add.
0: And, and Brad there. Hand's never gotten into trouble with his Twitter account either.
2: Oh, never. At all. <laughs> no. Do not look at that guy's Instagram likes, by the way. I'm sure all he's right. very well-beloved among the Phillies faithful, just as loved as JT Romeo to his for his incredible <laughs> comments that invigorate the community. Um, and can I also say why? Like, the reason why the Phillies are winning is because you have these unsung guys, these unsung trains. Nick Nelson, Garrett Stubbs. They mm-hmm. were in very small, small deals in, in the offseason. You got them for virtually nothing, which is what they've been lacking. That's what the Braves do. That's what the Dodgers do. Like these small, Camargo. small deals. Camargo, you signed him right mm-hmm. before the deadline. And the entire comment section of that signing was who? So this yeah, guy has been that's... awesome. And yeah, Derek Hall. Like, when's the last time we had a guy that came up and just did his job? We have a Reese real... Hoskins. That's – Yeah.
0: Really, that's. I mean, that's, that's really five it. Five years ago,
2: this guy came up. He's doing his job, and he's doing it damn well. He's won yep. us like three games. The game in St. Yes. Louis, the other game in St. Louis. Um <laughs> He had a homer in the awesome. Marlins
0: series, but the games weren't really close. So
2: yeah, we, as I like to say, we are Hall witnesses. So <laughs> this guy's been awesome, Matt Veerling, like unsung guys. Mickey Moniak sucks, but like, I, I I think they should trade him. I I don't think he's a future here. But that's beside no. the point. You're having the Yaira Munozes of the world. The Garrett stops hitting an absolute tape measure shot up the lefty-lefty <laughs> to win us a game in which we lose 11 out of 10 times last year. Yep. Like These are things that we never do. Just make winning plays at the right time. The plays Bryson Stott made at the end of that Cardinals game. Just yes. smart plays. We are not a good defense. We won't be a good defense. But I believe the things we are doing, we are making the right plays at the right time. And we have guys that, unsung guys, but that's what good teams do. They find these guys. They trade for these guys. They sign these guys. They come up and they help you win immediately, which is what we've been lacking. Like, I have yeah. total trust in the front office. They're drafting. The last four, last four pick, first-round picks have been awesome. Alec Bone came up here. was awesome. Bryson Stott, he's been raking as of late. Mick Abel, Painter, Griff McGarry, Ben Brown. Like, you have all these guys, we have a brighter future than we did, and we're winning more. Yeah. Like, it, it looks up right now. Obviously a it lot does. of things can go awry, but watch out. Like if we I mean getting rid with, of
0: getting rid of Klintak was a, a massive boost to the
2: And firing the, the, the guy that had the literal name fail in his name. Like this is yeah, amazing.
0: Mac
2: <laughs> yeah. Mac Fail. Um and then we're not even fully healthy. Like we're winning without this. And we have like one of the easiest schedules. I mean, it's always we have an easy schedule, but this team just feels different. We don't sweep the Marlins in Miami. We just don't do that.
0: No, we don't. I, we don't we have really our two don't. best
2: hitters. We don't have our two best hitters. Mm-hmm. And Nick Cassianos is yet to get hot. I mean, Cassianos has been ass. He's been ass. But I mean I, I, I he can he can he's got a, he's riding a six hitting, hitting streak now.
0: Yeah. He, he goes one for four every game and he hits two fifty, so
2: Oh, it's incredible. This guy this guy lives up to his average. It's incredible.
0: He does, he does. Every game yeah. he gets one hit and it's usually a meaningless one, but it counts.
2: If we can keep this pace up and keep hitting bad pitching like we are and and beat up on bad teams, which we have been doing in the the last
0: three games.
2: We haven't played the the Cubs. We haven't played the Pirates. We haven't played the Reds.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I was telling Jet. Jet said, oh, yeah, how hmm. many of those RTF wins were against the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds? We haven't played them yet, buddy.
2: Congratulations, Jet, on your 12-1 record against the Washington Nationals. I'm really proud of you. (laughs) You're now six (laughs) games back of the wild card.
0: All right, yeah. I mean, we can we can thank the unsung heroes of the team, or we could always just chalk it up as three letters R-T-F. TF. Yep. This is uh, it's been very fun, Alex McChrystal, Philly sports suffer. Everybody, thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me on. I'd love to come back uh, soon. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Been
0: a yeah. Thank you, yeah. To Alex, for coming on doing that segment with us, Jet. And now it is time. For our AFC East record predictions. Super excited to get this one out. Obviously, we're going to hear the Dolphins coming up here pretty shortly, right after we mentioned the Jets. It's coming in fourth. The Dolphins are probably being third for both of us. Jet, talking time in here in this episode. Go ahead and go ahead and walk us through your Yeah,
1: about about time we get to speak. No, no offense, no fun I mean it just didn't work out. It's not really my my, my area of expertise. I mean I, I've already said my takes on a bunch of the stuff that you guys already talked about, as far yeah. as like Jalen Hurts, RTF, the, the Rob Thompson fucker, and um seriously right <laughs> now? Among, 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 among other things, but um yeah, this this is this is my division. This is this is where it all started for me back in the AFC East back in 2001 when I popped out of the womb and became a Dolphins fan. So I'm excited to get get on with this great segment we're about to get to. Uh,
0: yeah, I could tell just by our conversation <laughs> off in between last segment and this one how excited you were to get to this. All right. Starting it off with the New York Jets, no surprise here. They have not been super, super relevant since Mark Sanchez's infamous butt fumble, but his team is on the up and up jet, and I'll tell you for a number of reasons. Back-to-back good drafts by this team, I think. Um, I think a good young quarterback who's going to take a step up this year. People dismiss a lot of quarterbacks after a bad rookie season, but they, for somehow, they, they forget about Eli Manning's rookie season and Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Kurt Warner and all these guys' rookie seasons that we really recognize as all-time greats. It's just, I don't know. I think it's maybe the social media aspect of sports nowadays. But so obviously Zach Wilson, I'm I'm a little high on just basically you can tell how I'm talking. And he's also been in the media recently for piping his mother's friend. So Zach Wilson, he's going to just add two or three wins to the... Jets total from that anyways. I have this team going 5-12 and 12 this year, 1-5 and five. in the division. I have them beating the Patriots in Week 8 as their first win. I have them going 0-7 prior to that. Um, I have them beating the Bears in Week 12, the Lions in Week 15, the Jags in Week 16, and they will win three straight from Week 15 to 17, beating the Seattle Seahawks on the road as well before losing to the Dolphins on the road in Week 18.
1: Yeah, for me, I also have the Jets going 5-12. and 12. I, I think that there, there's a case to be made where they can, you know, potentially get seven or eight wins, but that all lies with how Zach Wilson's going to play. Because, I mean, this team was 4-13 a year ago, and, you know, in order for them to make, you know, monumental strides, it all starts at the quarterback position, but... As far as the team around him, there's a lot of great pieces to work with. Bruce Hall, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, all up-and-coming guys that are really going to make their presence known, I think, especially this season. And then, you know, the defense is getting there as well. Sauce Gardner, who was one of their first-round draft picks in this draft. And obviously, Quinnen Williams was a top pick a couple years ago along with a bunch of other guys so for me I, I think the Jets finished five and twelve four and eight in the AFC two and four in the east with their wins coming against the Browns in week two on the road their a win at home against the Dolphins in week five a win versus the Bears in week 12 and a and a win against the Jaguars in week 17. the, the, the Jets will, will slowly get back into contention I believe I think However, if Zach Wilson doesn't pan out, as I think we both expect, then it's going to kind of revert back to the Jets of old, I think.
0: Yeah. The Patriots, for me, are coming in third. And looking at this record prediction, it just it feels so low just because they had a good season, all things considered, last year before getting absolutely obliterated um, later on in the wild. But I just... I don't see anything on this roster that excites me with the exception of, like, their secondary and Matt Judon, really. They have a – they have Mac Jones, who was praised beyond, like, beyond my comprehension last year just because he was the winningest rookie quarterback, Um, a running back room that is – It's deep, but, like, the the number one guy in that running back room isn't – he's too many heads. He's very touchdown dependent. Uh, Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, super, super weak wide receiver room. And then a guy who accounted for a ton of their points last year is Hunter Henry, who had a ton of touchdowns last year. And he's turning 28 this offseason. So, like, he's – Injuries are gonna be looming. He's getting older, especially for a very high contact position, because you're if you're not getting hit over the middle, you're blocking for the runner or for the quarterback every single play. Uh that position ages quickly. And I already mentioned the defensive guys that, that excite me, but other than that, there's nothing on this team. I, I don't see a lot. I think this team is also going five and twelve this year, Jet. Wow. And it, it sounds it sounds so off to say to a team that you know they just split the bills, but really they barely beat the bills because of some weird weather conditions. They didn't beat anyone good last year, and I don't think they're going to beat anyone good this year. They just they have a tougher schedule, and like I said, they're they're getting older, um, especially their secondary, who's you know headed by McCourty, Butler, Jalen Mills. But I haven't beaten the Lions, Browns, and Bears weeks five through seven the Jets coming off the bye, and the Dolphins in Week 17, and, and that's it for them.
1: Yeah, I, I think this team's going to fall off a little bit, but I think what where you have them going is way too extreme. I mean, obviously this is not what you're saying, but it's kind of what you're saying is that Mac Jones and Zach Wilson are potentially the same quarterback, and I think Mac Jones is a little bit better, and I think with just that alone, he's going to be able to lead this Patriots team to a few more wins. I
0: could, I could really easily argue the opposite. To be honest with you, I'm I'm higher this year on Wilson than I am on Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, it's more a matter for me that Mac Jones, obviously, you know, given that the system that he was in does doesn't need to throw the ball as much as someone like Zach Wilson. But Mac Jones made some really good plays last year. Zach Wilson struggled at times. And obviously, I mean, I think I think we both can agree that whether it's Davis Mills or Mac Jones, I think Mac Jones was the best quarterback in this class, you know, in year one.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In year one, uh, I, I'll give it to him 100%. But he also had the best coach, the best supporting cast, the best offensive line, yeah. so he on and so also forth. The same,
1: he still has the same coach. Obviously, no more Josh McDaniels. But it, it's very hard to count uh, not count a Bill Belichick-led team, even though when they're drafting guys like Cole Strange in, in their early <laughs> rounds and should be going <laughs> later on. But nevertheless, I mean – the Patriots know how to to win football games. And I I, I don't expect them to have a 10-win season again this year, but I have them going seven and ten, six and six in the AFC, two and four in the East with their wins coming at the Steelers on the road in week two, versus the Lions in week five, at the Browns in week six, versus the Jets in week eleven, at the Raiders in week fifteen, versus the Bengals in week sixteen, and versus the Dolphins in week seventeen. So yeah, this team's probably gonna miss the playoffs. But if we see you know another step forward from Mac Jones, maybe this team can get back to the playoffs. Obviously, there's there's more questions even just besides the offense, the defense. When, when when you're losing some some key names, as they did with losing Stephon Gilmore early in the middle of the season a year ago, and then um, um, JC JC Jackson as well, it, it's really going to be hard to make up for the loss of those guys, even despite them having some some. Good name still to work with, but I, I do have the Patriots finishing a third in this division.
0: What was the record again? Did you say seven and ten? Seven and ten. Okay. Yeah. Both have them taking pretty big steps back. Yeah. In second place in this division, I have the Miami Dolphins. Wow. And I have them. I'm going to tell you now. I have them going nine and eight. Ton of weapons. Chase Edmonds, Rahe- Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Miles Gaskin to round out a for, for some reason, massive running back core of, of names that you actually know. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, three gate receivers, Mike Kosicki, one of the better um, receiving tight ends in the league. And, you know, obviously we talk about the addition of Taron Armstead and with what little addition he will add to, to his blind side. Oh, wait, it's not his blind side, so he's getting overpaid by the Dolphins, but it's all right. Um, with, with whatever push he makes forward in this offensive line i think connor williams another addition that they made kind of draws it away from them because he was the most penalized offensive lineman and player in all of football last year and you know that, that it sucks those are such boneheaded decisions boneheaded plays such avoidable penalties uh when you're on the offensive line but uh holland Xavier howard byron jones incredible secondary uh, the defense really is is no question. They had a great year in 2020. Their 2021 season was was a little up and down. It kind of reminded me of how the Washington Redskins football team and commanders 2020 and 2021 seasons went uh, really good in 2020. Shaky next year. Hopefully the Dolphins bounce back on defense. And the main issue here is the quarterback. Tua Tagovailoa. Jet says he's going to... Training camp. Hopefully, he gets a good glimpse of Teddy Bridgewater as he will be starting for this team. You know, by week 13, if not for an injury by Tua, who's prone at this point, uh, then just by ability reasons. And I think this team goes nine and eight, beating the Patriots, losing three straight to the Ravens, Bills, and Bengals, beating the Jets, losing to the Vikings, then winning five straight with the bye week in between to the Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns, and Texans. And after being in a real good spot, uh, spot to start the year at 7-4, uh, and four, they then choke in the last six games of the season going 2-4 and four, um, to ultimately miss out on a playoff spot, losing to the Niners, Chargers, Bills, beating the Packers, losing to the Patriots, and beating the Jets in Week 18.
1: Yeah, I mean, a couple of things I'll add. I, I do think this is the year that, too, Sean's and, in- there's there's no reason that he shouldn't. He has all the weapons now at his disposal. The offensive line is the is the best that he's had in his career, even with it not being as great as obviously some of the other offensive lines in the NFL. But despite Turan Armstead not protecting to his blind side, any replacement is better than what the Dolphins had in, on their offensive line last year. And this guy is a Pro Bowl offensive tackle that is going to you know create a much sta- more a more stabilized offensive. Lawn group this season talked about the weapons a, a great group of weapons chase edmonds or Mostert, sony michelle gaskin a great running back core there and then on the defense some guys you didn't talk about that are pretty underrated that not many people hear about often brendan jones and zach sealer brendan jones are, are strong safety he's a guy that when when given the role a year ago after i mean two years ago a, a pretty much a, a shaky rookie season Really found, really got onto a groove this past year and was kind of one of the, the, the stronger parts of our secondary, obviously with Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones as well. And then Zach Sealer, who was someone that was drafted, I'm pretty sure in the late rounds by the Baltimore Ravens uh, several years back, kind of found his way onto this Dolphins team, has gotten better each and every year, and has contributed to a very strong defensive line headed, headed by Christian Wilkins. The only question I really have is the linebacking court didn't really make too many additions. We drafted Channing Tindall in the third round, I believe. But, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle and Landon Roberts have played well at times, just a little inconsistent. You know, Jerome Baker is very good. But I have this Dolphins team going 10-7, and seven, finishing second in the AFC East. I have, them win- I have them beating the Patriots in week one, losing to the Ravens. Week two, beating the Bills in week three, losing to the Bengals in week four, losing to the Jets in week five, and then winning six straight to the Vikings, Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns, bye week, and then the Texans, and then losing three straight to the 49ers, Chargers, and Bills, which is their toughest stretch of the season, all three games on the road, beating the Packers at home, losing to the Patriots on the road, and beating the Jets at home. I mean, we'll have to see how the rest of the AFC pants out after I you know, get all my divisions done and see if they, they crack a spot on the playoffs. I think 10-7 and seven could be good enough, but it is a very competitive conference, so we will have to see if this record will hold up. I, I do think, however, they, they could potentially get one of those three games on the road. It's just going to be a very tough challenge, and it's all going to come down to what kind of quarterback play we're seeing from Tua at that point in the season.
0: Yeah, two things I want to mention. First of all, I'm going to throw in a, a comment that will make you likely comment something about it being an interesting nugget. Javon Holland, he did comments on one of my TikToks back in the day. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember me sending that to you, but that, that was very cool. Uh, and the next thing I wanted to comment, we had the same exact same exact thing, same record predictions. Um, I just had the Vikings beating you guys in week six. Six, I think it was, but we yeah week six,
1: correct? Yeah,
0: week six. So, so that's interesting. We're we're pretty much on the same page, and it makes sense because I'm higher on the Vikings this year than you are. Even though you're slowly starting to turn to the dark purple side, winning.
1: You're part Vikings, part Eagles, part Colts. So, uh, I'm
0: I'm I'm full. I'm I'm full Colts. I don't
1: know. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I don't know. I'm beginning to get worried. But
0: here's my football passions:
1: Colts fan. Cowboys
0: hater, underdog lover. So I I root for any underdog so long as it doesn't affect the Colts. I, I will
1: I say if, if I did I for any pick, team
0: playing the Cowboys, yeah, I,
1: I will say if I did have to pick a team, it would be the Detroit Lions. As you can tell on on how I'm pretty pretty high in them this year. So mm-hmm. yeah, underdogs are exciting, Jet. Absolutely. So who do you got it uh, first in this division?
0: If you could take a wild guess, who are you gonna guess?
1: Um Bills, right? Yeah. The Baltimore Colts. Baltimore Colts. Okay.
0: Buffalo Bills are coming in first in this division. Their first six games of the year are tough. Really tough, honestly. I have them splitting these games. I really could even go as far as seeing them like I could see them going anywhere from one and five to five and one. Uh these are a lot of swing games. I have them losing to the Rams week one on the road, beating the Titans and Dolphins in weeks two and three, losing to the Ravens on the road, beating the Steelers at home, and losing to the Chiefs on the road before going to a very early bye week in week seven. And that's when they become the team that everyone is expecting to be. They knock, they rack off nine straight wins to the Packers, Jets, Vikings, Browns, Lions, Patriots, Jets, Dolphins, Bears, for losing to the Bengals in Week 17, a game that really doesn't mean much, and beating the Patriots in Week 18, going 13 and 4 um, with a four game lead on second place in this division and sweeping the division this year, barring a potential um, snow flurry, whatever the hell you want to call that one game from last year against the Patriots.
1: I am, but I am predicting a snow game week 13 for the Bills and Patriots while I have the Bills losing <laughs> to the Patriots in the week 13. Not that I'm any uh, meteorologist, but I'm just going to make a uh, way-too-early prediction there as I try and set my sights on what the weather is going to be like during that portion of the NFL season. 13-4 and four for the Buffalo Bills, first in the AFC East. Three game lead over the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty similar to what I have as far as the early season and the late season part schedule for the, this Bills team. I just think it's very very hard for the Bills to be able to you know knock out nine straight wins. If I if I'm correct on what you had them going, but yeah, for me this is how I see it going: win at the Rams, win versus the Titans, loss at Dolphins, loss at Ravens, win versus Steelers, loss at Chiefs, bye week, win versus the Jets. Win, win versus the Packers, win at the Jets, win versus the Vikings, win versus the Browns, win at the Lions, loss at the Patriots, and then wins versus Jets, Dolphins, Bears, Bengals, Patriots. I mean, we know what this team is capable of. They they even added more reinforcements in the offseason with Vaughn Miller, drafted James Cook, signed O.J. OJ Howard. We'll see you know, what kind of impact those guys will have. But this team... I mean, obviously, they're one of the main Super Bowl favorites this year, and, and rightfully so. They both sides of the ball have great players to work with this season, and I think that I—I mean—I think we both wouldn't be surprised if they're the one seed in this conference.
0: I'd be very surprised. We're just going to have to do AFC South next. Um, just a, a quick little snippet there for you guys to look forward to for my AFC South record predictions. Jet, we both have Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets. Now, make no mistake about this. I have the Dolphins as being an average team and the Patriots and Jets being very below average. It's A lot of it has to do with schedule. The Dolphins are way ahead of a potential 9-8 NFC team. Same thing as the Patriots and Jets are well, I think, above a bottom-tier NFC team. I just think that, it, I mean, they get screwed in their conference. I mean, they have to play the... AFC North this year, who is not easy. Uh they also end up playing
1: the AFC what? the AFC North.
0: Yeah, the AFC North, which is not an easy division either. So it's 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 just it's tough scheduling. It sucks that the AFC is so stacked when the NFC is run by Jerry Jones and him thinking that Mike McCarthy is a good guy to sit down, have a drink with, and, and coach a football team. Um Jet, anything else you'd like to add about the AFC East? I know it is eleven forty, kind of a good time to point out there. Just, just because Jet was throwing a bit of a temper tantrum in between segments.
1: Oh, I don't, I'm not really sure what you're referring to. Interesting nugget you point out there. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it's it's going to be an exciting season for the Dolphins. I think I'll get my money's worth as a first time season ticket holder. So um it's going to mm. be uh going to be very interesting to see you know how this how this team transpires considering all the expectations now that are now set on this team considering what the big moves that were made in the all season so we'll have to wait and see on um how the dolphins fare in the playoffs this year
0: jet as i look up sports word of the day because i'm tired of miriam webster um Stopping it here. Man, oh, man. What a, what a great word. Sports word of the day is guard. G-A-U-R-D. Now, I mean, this can be interpreted many different ways. P.J. Tucker is going to guard defenders very well. Jimmy Butler no longer has his best, quote, guarding defender. Um, Bam Adebayo is as small as a guard. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways you could take it positionally. Um, what the word literally means, like a verb. Um, what's another way? Oh, uh, Pete Alonso's helmet. It's a good guard. It's a good buffer between baseballs and face. Except Pete Alonso doesn't know how to turn his head, so oftentimes he will get hit in the head. Hopefully, we don't see any of that in the in the home run derby tomorrow night. Kyle Schwarber does have the R T F pitching to him, so Kyle Schwarber. Is no, but it would be amazing. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, if, if RTF was pitching, would be expected to hit 45 homers per round. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not what we're looking at right now. Word of the day is, is a struggling segment right now on this show. And in large part, I'm going to blame Merriam-Webster, Oxford, um, any any dictionary you really uh, want to come up uh, with. But I, so right now, I'm on a typical. website called typical. Enchanted typical. Learning.
1: Typical,
0: typical. No, listen, I'm on a website called EnchantedLearning.com. Sports vocabulary word list. I mean, this is this is where these dictionaries have me right now. So I'm, when life gives me lemons, I'm going to make some fucking sour ass lemonade. But I'm going to do it anyway. So, you know, stay tuned to hear why the Colts are going 14 and three and having that one seed in the AFC. Oh
1: God, what's what's wrong, Jet? That's just crazy. I mean, I I know you think I'm biased, but I guess you're just just another level of bias as far as um. Favor favor favoritism towards your team. I mean, actually, though, I mean, we've seen it already with the Vikings and Eagles. So, I mean, I guess the Colts thing should just everyone should just see that coming. So,
0: yeah, and make no mistake about it, I am not a Vikings or an Eagles fan, but you know, like I said, I mean, any no. Team... But the
1: thing is, is there's a lot of um, a lot of I know there's a lot of purple on the other side of that camera. So, you know, listen, here's just the just thing: you have to realize. Is.
0: The Vikings and the Eagles are two very key pieces to keeping the Cowboys out of the playoffs this year, which you really just aren't seeming to realize. Which won't happen, but I mean it's, it's I can't I just I can't wait for you to be proven wrong with about the Cowboys and Mets, who for some reason you've become a fanboy of. And I was never expecting this out of you, JetRaisenstein. I'm not a
1: fanboy of the Cowboys. I just think they're – I mean, I'm, I'm not a fanboy of the Mets either. I, you are. I wholly despise the Mets. But I, I'm a realist, and it's clear the Mets are going to win this division because this is just a different team this year. God.
0: It's it's Braves, Phillies, Mets, Nationals, Marlins.
1: You Phillies fans just just – I don't think you know what you're looking at. You don't? No. Because what I'm looking at is
0: a two and a half game lead when the Mets seemingly play only the Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, Washington Nationals, and Miami Marlins. And you know, the Braves the Braves are overtaking and so are the Phillies. The Phillies are overtaking
1: the Mets? Yes.
0: By golly, yes. Well,
1: I mean, here's the thing: the Mets. I mean, the, the Mets have the fifth easiest schedule of the rest of the way, which. They, well, I mean, that, they've had the right fifth there. easiest
0: schedule to this point too. So.
1: Well, actually, they've had the. They're in the middle of the pack. They've had the the fifteenth hardest schedule. So.
0: Where's the Phillies? At? So far. Yeah.
1: Third hardest schedule.
0: And the rest of the way.
1: Rest of the way, the Phillies are. Seventh easiest schedule the rest of the So way. tell me
0: how it makes sense how the Mets have had such an easier schedule in the same division. I I didn't
1: say they had an easier schedule. Well, I mean, they... They've had it
0: much easier so far, and they'll have easier rest of the way as well, which makes no sense.
1: I don't know. I'm just going off the numbers. So, numbers don't lie.
0: Where are the Braves?
1: Braves have the 14th hardest schedule remaining, and they have... They had the fourth easiest schedule so far.
0: Like, are the Mets ever going to play the Dodgers or the Padres? I don't think that's happened yet.
1: I thought the Mets played the Dodgers, no? I don't think so. Yeah, they did in June. Beginning of June.
0: Oh, uh, just one series.
1: They split. And they play again at the end of August. I, Mets, I and Padres, Mets and Padres play the, right after the All-Star ring.
0: They're falling off. They have to.
1: They won't.
0: I'm banking on it and it's going to happen. It's not. And I'm excited for it to happen. Chet, lovely show today.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I appreciate your cooperation even though, you know, we we did go 7 minutes later than we were originally going to. Yeah. Even though that, some of that, that can be
1: episode.
0: some of that can be attributed to the fact that you decided to just throw a tamper tantrum before just starting the recording again. Right, right, Um, It's all right. I know that as soon as I talk to some of the higher-ups in the Rosenstein Manor, they'll get you back under control, uh-huh. and I'm excited for it. Jet, anything else you'd like to add before we get out of here?
1: No, uh, once again, I want to thank um, Alex McChrystal. Uh, loved, loved his insights on all, all things Philly sports, provided a, a new perspective, and a fresh perspective because I'm sick of hearing the same old thing. So it was, it was very nice to hear get, get got some more f- valuable information regarding the flyers and <laughs> um, hopefully it can come, come on the show soon. Once uh, the Phillies fall out of playoff contention.
0: Well, honestly, that's, that's all the information I've ever gotten on the flyers. But once again, I, because I was planning on saying this anyway, once again, I'd like to thanks Alex McChrystal Philly sports suffer. Special thanks to him for coming on today. We really enjoyed the company. Uh, Jet, thank you today for actually finally getting to recording. I know we just printed out some flyers that promise.
1: Yeah, they look good. Two weeks. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That
0: promise two uploads a week, and we've been pretty under that mark for about a month now. I think.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's time to
0: step up the game.
1: Absolutely. All
0: right, public, public, uh, public accountability, Jet.
1: Absolutely, you said that. All right. right.
0: I'm Tommy, that was Alex McChrystal, and <laughs> that was Brett Rosenstein. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening to the 25.8 SportsCast episode 43. Stay tuned for episode 44. In about four months. In about four days, and it's going to be a great one. So, yeah, I mean, everybody, every episode is a great one, so I don't know, I don't know why <laughs> I say it at this point. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, guys.